And it is time again to connect to the friendship uh, tree. That's the name of the, that's the name of the program, the friendship tree. This is your one stop shop for all sorts of uh, tree hanging fruit related organic garden gardening tips. Um, we're gonna bring on Melissa, and Melissa's got uh, a collection of new. T- I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Welcome into the show. Um, up top. Hey, patreon.com slash friendship emulator. Uh, there's some comics up there. New one going up right about now. Um, that's the bonus content. I'm still thinking more about uh, putting some audio content up that is bonus. Maybe some playlists or DJ sets. It might be uh, maybe later later on down the line some kind of a uh, D&D campaign or perhaps a radio play. It's a bit ambitious, but we'll see what happens. Mm. Thanks for being here. It is going to be, oh yeah, the date being uh, Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Uh, There is smoke in the Pacific Northwest, as is usually the case, it seems, in like late August or September. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, you don't really get, it's it's a weird feeling because it's not like a headache that you get unless it's, um, you know, in one of those experiences where you're like, you're hanging out by a campfire for like hours and you're, which is usually like a, a fun situation where you're like partying or something. I don't know. You just, you can't go outside for more than a few hours uh, or your head starts to hurt. <laughs> uh, basically up top, I want to talk about, I've the, the main topic I've decided on is uh, games or, ga- or the concept of gamification, I guess. Uh, I, heard some it is usually some vague digest of another uh podcasting program that I I, I consumed late earlier in that week but it was something somebody said about uh social media being uh kind of a like I don't know if like attention economy is a strange a uh, term to use because it if it has some sort of relation to like uh men going their own way or some shit like that but uh but yeah there's this thing where social media is a game i guess i guess that's where it begins but I'll get into that in a second. Uh, the other thing that I want to get out of the way, first of all, is what we're doing in terms of movies. Uh, this week, the beer movies. Next week, the uh, experimental spooky movies. That's, um, what is it? Blair Witch and Skinamarink, which I'm super excited. I'll just talk about Skinamarink. Um 
I'm expecting it to be a really enjoyable film for me. It seems up my alley because uh, I'm not like an infinite jest person. person. Uh, I bought a copy of it once, but I've never read it. Uh, there's that guy, Nausgaard, who people sometimes compare to Infinite Jest. He wrote uh, My Struggle in the Norwegian language, which is, I always thought that was an extremely provocative uh, I, uh, name for for a book. Um, but I guess maybe it has something to do with reclamation. It has nothing to do uh, with any references to any books of the same title, but he's just a Norwegian guy who like uh, kind of documented every day of his entire life because he has like a weird memory like that. He's just a really vivid uh, photograph or what would you even call it? He has, he's, he has a really good memory. Remembers all the details from when he was like a teenager at in his 30s or something. But Skinnamarink is almost like the opposite where I feel like those things, works like those and maybe Petscop, which as anyone knows who like listens to this or watches, watches Twitch streams with me, um, knows I love Petscop. It's like my shit. It kind of, it's almost like it approaches a sort of a minimalism from a point of maximalism, if that makes any sense. You flood, you deluge the, uh, the reader with all of this crap. You deluge the viewer with, um, uh, I wonder if I was a film person, I would be able to come up with a film example of it. But uh, with as much information as possible in order to extract as little meaning as possible, I think that's like Nausgaard's thing. It's the way I've heard it described. But, uh, God, of course the train starts as soon as I start recording. It's fantastic. Uh, I wonder if I might have a little bit of an NPR voice, but I'm getting better at being bold enough to be a little bit loud in my room until moderately late uh so yeah uh freaking skinnamarink is the opposite of that i think maybe where it approaches something large from a place of minimalism it seems to be one of the weirdest if not one of the weirdest movies, one of the weirdest horror movies uh, to get a full distribution uh, in theaters and stuff. It's like, it has like an extremely small budget for a movie that appeared in theaters. Anyway, that's next week. And then the week after that, um, there's that Romanian flick, uh, which I'll pull up in just a sec. Romanian flick, new wave. Romanian new wave. Do I still have it up? Oh, we'll get we'll we'll get there. Don't even worry. Uh, and then killing of Chinese bookie from 
the American New Wave Cinema, and that is something that I know how to pull up right now because that's what I'm trying to do right about now. Uh, and I have it right here. And I want to make sure it doesn't make any weird noises. <clears throat> so the week after that, I'm going to continue on with this huge list of 250 uh, new Hollywood cinema style films taken directly from Wikipedia. Now, Wikipedia, I don't know. Wikipedia rules? Wikipedia is cool. I should probably be giving money to Wikipedia as someone who uses it and appreciates it as much as I do. Um, it's not like there's like a better source of information for a giant list of quote unquote new Hollywood cinema films, whatever that means. Again, I do kind of want to find a book about Ameri the history of American cinema with regards to like the golden age that was something that i didn't mention last week i was like oh that we only got the you got silent films and you got pre-code and then it's new hollywood all of a sudden no i mean there was a the whole golden age in between that i don't know anything about that we're going to spin the wheel right now though because three weeks from now we need two brand new films to watch on the program and here we go and it looks like the film is called coma from the year 1978 coma film looks like it is starring Genevieve Bupold. She looks like the lady from Caligula, almost. Michael Douglas. It's a Michael Douglas movie, okay. I don't know this one. It's a 1978 mystery thriller film based on the 77 novel of the same name by, same name by Robin Cook. The film rights were acquired by director Michael Crichton. And the movie was produced by Martin Ehrlichman for MGM. The class includes da da da. The story was adapted again into a two-part television miniseries. All right, the plot. Dr. Susan Wheeler, a surgical resident at Boston Memorial Hospital, is devastated when her friend, young healthy woman, is left brain dead after undergoing a procedure there. Unusual number of other fit young patients. Um, Dr. Harris, chief surgery, has twice reproached Susan. Had a recent behavior soon after Kelly, hospital maintenance worker. OR number eight are correct. So there's someone named, I think if I'm gathering this correctly, it is a crazy thriller about an operating room it's like um what do you call it uh soil like green but for uh just a uh, regular there's no food food element to it <laughs> i don't know i don't know coma 
That's interesting. Uh, Michael Crichton. So is he the producer then? He's the directed, director and screenplay writer. Martin Ehrlichman did what else? Do, 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 do. The Clancy brother. What the hell? He has a very small Wikipedia article. I don't know why he's mentioned. Robin Cook. He's the novelist. He writes about medicine and topics affecting public health. Oh, he's a physician who makes... Wow, what the hell? Okay. And then what else did I want to look at? Michael Creighton. Um, yeah. Any uh, composers of note? Music composers? Nope. Interesting. I wonder if anyone knows about this damn movie. It's a. It's quite a quite a large list. Um, should I hide the choice? I haven't been doing that. We need a second one. And here we go. Looks like we're going to be diving deep into these uh, 60s and 70s American movies. The Outlaw Josie Wales. Clint Eastwood, let's go. Let's go. Will this will this perchance be my my first Clint Eastwood? Um so what I what I've learned about Clint Eastwood recently um in uh uh god there was something about James Teen that I listened to recently or something. Uh Clint Eastwood kind of did more of a gritty. Clint Eastwood kind of fits into the uh, the gritty reboot genre, which is so prevalent and uh, ubiquitous and freaking prevalent <laughs> in our modern cinema. Because he he kind of he kind of took the uh, he kind of took the cowboy genre in film and made it more if not gritty, like alternative-ish, I guess. That's what I know about him. I've never seen any of his movies, though. Ella, Josie Wills, 1976. Film set during and after the American Civil War. Directed and star starred Clint Eastwood with Chief Dan George, Sandra... Wait, Chief Dan George, native guy. Coast Salish Band. Interesting. Speaking of the Pacific Northwest, Sandra Locke. Mm. Her relationship with Clint Eastwood. The six hit films they made together. They made six. Bill McKinney and John Vernon. Film tells the story of Josie Wales, a Missouri farmer whose family is murdered by Union militants during the Civil War. Driven to revenge, Wales joins a Confederate guerrilla band and makes a name for himself as a feared gunfighter. After the war, all the fighters in Wales' group, except for him, surrender to Union officers, but they end up being massacred. 
Wales becomes an outlaw and is pursued by bounty hunters and Union soldiers as he tries to make a new life for himself. Uh, let's see. It was also adapted from a novel. So that will be the theme that ties these two together. Two films that were adapted from a novel, I suppose. But yeah. Um, game, so, okay, on to the topic gamification and this is like something that i've just sort of been thinking about for fun like during the day uh you get kind of bored <coughs> when you have a shitty job uh but no it's um gamification is like the way of the modern world i guess you hear about uh what is it Okay, so Noam Chomsky and Naomi Klein wrote a lot about like the media and the way that linguistics, they're kind of like they're kind of like leftist nonfiction journal type writers who have a back who have I mean Noam Chomsky obviously it uh He's he's kind of a man of two talents because he uh, before he became known as this political dissident, he was like a linguistic marvel. Like he sort of he sort of innovated uh, new theories and linguistics that hadn't hadn't seen a shakeup in quite a quite a great many decades. And some say that he is the founder of modern linguistics. Uh, Naomi Klein, not quite so much, but she wrote No Logo, which is, uh, I think anyone who's like a hardcore Radiohead fan knows about No Logo, because it was a lot of the inspiration behind OK Computer. Uh, I read a little bit of it when I was like a teenager, I think, maybe like 19. But uh, it's about how modern corporations don't function in the way that they used to in the sense of having logos. Uh, I mean, she also wrote Shock Doctrine, which is, I think, similar to Noam Chomsky as well, uh, the manufacturing consent stuff, because it's kind of like, it builds on manufacturing consent, I would imagine. I also haven't read that one, but... What it's about is the uh, the modern media and the, the the way they capitalize on disasters or something. Shock doctrine, uh, or was it disaster capitalism or something? Anyway, um, I think that the game, quote unquote, like as a capital G, like thing, like a like a freaking as a as a concept it's the modern like product it's it's an ephemeral thing though it's a product that is ephemeral but it uh but it is the product right in order to get clicks for example uh human behavior needs to be manipulated in such a way if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Um, a lot of talk about the singularity, uh, 
recently, there's one thing that I didn't realize about the writer strike is that AI can't create a good script from scratch, but some of these workers, and I think it might even be in some of the official documentation or like in some of the talks that they had, some of these workers are afraid that maybe the the AIs wouldn't be used to create something from scratch, but to work upon their already existing work, which obviously is a thing for photography, right? The background actors thing, you heard about this background actors thing? It's kind of crazy because I don't know. It's, it's one of these things that seems like sci-fi right now if you're someone who's like still living in, <laughs> I don't know, the present 2021, which is to me the present or some shit. I don't know if it, does that make sense? Like, um, you almost have to be from the future in order to be from the present or something. But yeah, um, you gotta, you gotta be on the ball. You gotta be playing a game, and that's what's making like all of these, uh, all these companies money, particularly social media companies, for people who try to sort of uh, get a, get attention in this attention economy. Now, I certainly am not ashamed to say. <laughs> by any means that uh that I went out there and I tried to see well I tried to stress test I threw I threw eight dollars in the uh singularity disgust disgusting machine in order to try my hand at a leisurely experience mostly I just got slightly less ads it's all bullshit all your viewership numbers if you're like a lobby it's all bullshit and it's all it's just an it's just another expression of like the American dream. It's all fucking bullshit. But anyway, I was also thinking in terms of gamification, like uh why the the why of it all? Like why is social media a game? And I think it's notable that personal computers, at least in Japan, Maybe not so much in America. I think maybe by the late 80s it was a thing. There was a lot of stuff where they were being used as word processors and uh, other utilities like that. Um, fucking uh, personal planners and stuff. But really, uh, as far back as like Pong era, the first and second generation of video games, uh Computers were all, I mean, at least by common people, they were, they were used for communication by like a, what the Pentagon, the ARPANET, but that's, that's like the Pentagon. Like if you were buying a computer, if you're just a regular everyday person, you probably, uh, played, you know, um, uh, some text adventure thing on it way before you, uh, had some sort of experience, some sort of social experience, you know, not that you couldn't, I don't know. I don't know when email, I think probably around Netscape and stuff is when email became a big thing. But, 
those computers were not connected to the internet back then. And I think that, I think the fact that computers were always used for games has something to do with like the whole UI aspect of it. And maybe that's why, um, maybe that's why social media and all of these things that grew out of email and Yahoo news groups and Usenet or whatever, uh, sort of turned in to, uh, I don't know. I wonder what sort of philosophy of design stuff is going on in Japan. If you, ha if you know anyone who's a, a fluent Japanese language speaker, who's interested in, uh, uh, contributing to the show, this offer never expires. So if you're listening to this in months or years from now, hit me up at least I'm, if I'm still making the show. Uh, we're going to get into the film section. Uh, I'll look up what that Romanian movie was, which I can't remember the name of it, but that's going to be two weeks out from now. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to look into these horror movies that I slept on. But Beer Fest and Strange Brew, not in that order. <laughs> I said that last week too, I think. Uh, Strange Brew and Beer Fest in chronological order. Uh, two beer movies that I've never watched before. And if you'll excuse me, I'll take a break because my tummy is rotten off of all of the goat pee that I drank. And that's a German tradition. I'm not German, but I pretended I was when I was drinking goat. No, I'm kidding. I didn't even drink alcohol for this. I don't, I don't really do that. Back after this break. And welcome back. Thank you for joining us for a film discussion about beer. I said that I might uh, drink a little bit of Grand Marnier. I did not do so. Uh, there are certain times in these epic American stories where one needs to get ultra, super duper powered up with hard A in inside these beer movies. It happens all the time. It's a story as old as Gilgamesh himself. <clears throat> but I would say that the stakes are not quite that high for me. I'm just rambling. Um, I found that Romanian movie. It's called, I think it's four months, three weeks, two days by uh, Christian Munglu. I should probably keep a log of these things just to make super certain. But it seems to me like this is the first uh, feature length, like big popular feature length film in this milieu of movies from Romania. I wonder, wonder if it's any good. Uh the obviously the strategy here with learning about movies <clears throat> is to uh throw darts at a wall until some sort of cohesive picture comes along again god damn the trains are really going crazy today <clears throat> we're just gonna roll through it but yeah so we've got uh two movies about Beer, and the first is Strange Brew, starring Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. Now, uh, 
they are these two hosers. Uh, I think they say I learned I learned some other Canadian slang. It seems to be a really bad or at least a really cheesy, cheeky, cheeky, cheesy, a really cheeky, cheesy uh, love letter to Canada. I don't know if that's because uh, they're both Canadian or, or something like that. But yeah, they seem to be brothers. At least we learn that they're brothers uh, insofar as they have the same. You never see their parents, but they're like sort of yelling at them. And it's kind of funny because they're like uh, they're like these 30 something year old loser guys living with their parents like way, way before that was cool. You know, like way generations before that was even a thing. And to the point where I think it was like a novelty. They come home, they feed a beer to their dog. Their dad's like, I hope you didn't get the last beer. And the funny thing is that it's like an odyssey that like keeps on changing its like purpose and its goal. But at least the initial purpose is for them to, because they, it's really gross. They like put a beer in the dog bowl where like the food was. And then <laughs> the dad's like, I hope you didn't do that to my beer. And it's my last beer. And they pour it out of the dog bowl back into the, the beer bottle with like all, or like into a mug with like all the chunks of, oh, I'm like almost gagging. Just thinking about it right now, chunks of dog food, but then they drop it on the floor. So like, uh, uh, yeah, you probably would have drank it anyways. So he's like, go get me some more beer. And uh, they go to this building that looks like some sort of like, like it's out of like a 1960s, like British spy movie or something where there's like, they go to the MI3 or something. It's like, if you can imagine a airport that's been scaled down to like one 50th or 120th its size or something it's got like these beige walls and like a little lobby and then like a conveyor belt and this is the beer store I don't know if it's everything is just a joke about what uh, people think Canada is like but I guess that was a joke that Canadian beer stores are just this this uh, totally drab airport like environment with a little conveyor belt so they're like, um, because there's like a funny intro, we get it. We get uh, a preview of this little scheme, this little con that the Dave Thomas character, with his sketchy little weird eyebrow, likes to play, which is to put a mouse inside the beer, and uh, because for some for some weird reason they had spent the uh, the previous money that they had gotten for their dad they have to get free beer basically they have to get free beer he puts a he puts a mouse inside of the beer bottle he's like hey you got to give me a free beer and everyone is like it's very funny because it's it's almost like you're supposed to not be able to tell if they're just like being weirdly canadian or if they're really drunk or both but he's got a weird eyebrow and he talks really funny and moves the eyebrow around. Dave Thomas's character is almost like funnier than Rick, Rick Moranis in this, which Rick Moranis is like a legend, but like Dave Thomas is very funny in this. I like, I like that little eyebrow thing he does, but yeah, he's like, 
we got to get this beer. And then it zooms in on like the beer that they can't get because the guy at the beer store is like, you got to go to the brewery. And this is like where act one really starts to really starts to go off. Um, there's this guy named a Angus McKinnis who, uh, I want to say he's the same dude who was in, um, he had the the like wooden foot or something in uh Happy Gilmore. He has a really funny uh role in this one where he I I, I call him colloquially the third hoser. The third hoser because he's like he's like the three he's like the third musketeer he's like the guy who you don't learn out until later that he's like an insane asylum patient or whatever, but yeah. Um, basically they have to go to the brewery and they reach this fork in the road where it's like to the right, it's, uh, to the right, it's, uh, the Hooverville insane asylum. And to the left, it's the brewery and you have to go up this like big scary hill. It's almost like Dracula's castle or some shit. And it's actually kind of funny because it's like obviously a painting but they keep on approaching it like it's a a big building but it's mostly like this big thing that says like hooverville or whatever the beer company is called over the top so they get there and they realize they don't realize that they're in this weird situation they're right behind this woman who I think she's just turning 18 or something like that. So she's about to take over the company and she's the daughter of the fella who just passed away, um, who was the owner of the brewery. And there's like, there's like a weird power grab. It all sort sort of slowly reveals itself. But so they get there and all this crazy stuff happens, including they sort of like ram into her car in order to to get her through. And they don't really know like why these two guys are there and they're wearing these like hella Canadian clothes. Um, And Angus McInnes, very funny. They meet Angus McInnes there because he's, uh, I think at the time he's dressed as an employee, but he's actually one of the insane asylum patients um and he brings them to the bosses when they're in the middle of their meeting with the daughter where they want she has like her lawyer next to her and he's like a good guy uh who works for the company but he's like on her side uh and then this guy who Angus McKinnis plays though is actually like a uh, in the universe of the film he's like a retired uh, star hockey player or something. So basically, what we have is like a mad scientist brewery, but it's Canadian. But also, it's Rick Moranis. So of course, they have to put weird stuff in the beer and run hockey experiments where two teams are dressed as stormtroopers and Darth Vader's, I guess. It's a it's an incredibly uh it's an incredibly dumb movie in some ways. Uh 
it it at least doesn't have like a bunch of super random like bo- like supermodels boobs <laughs> like in beer we'll get to beer fest and some of the yikes stuff in beer fest but that shit's very funny it's um the plot and stuff like for example in beer fest the end of the movie ends in a freeze frame and it's like well deserved but at the end of uh, Strange Brew, they're like, "Oh yeah, this is a it 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 begins and ends with these bookends of like them being in a studio and like uh, they have to like they have to like get this beer, but also it's like connected to like the 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 okay. So the reason they lost the fifteen bucks that they were going to use to get the beer in the first place because they handed out a refund to someone who saw this movie. It was bad. It's it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's it's like breaking the fourth wall, and it's kind of funny in that way. But anyway, <clears throat> um, they call this guy the doctor, but we don't learn that he's the guy from the insane asylum until like the third act. Uh. And so basically what happens is like when they show up to the brewery, they get jobs at the brewery, but then they keep on doing these experiments um, and they're going to run one of these hockey games while uh, the, the daughter who's about to take over the company like is there to basically like sign the papers to like fire them or whatever. And the mad scientist guy is like, he looks very Australian. He's like ginger. I don't know. He's, he's pretty scary. He looks like a bond villain kind of. Um, but yeah, some of the Canadian slang that I learned by the way is, uh, Oh, that's a beauty. And Oh, why don't you take off? Why don't you take off? Huh? Um, I thought it was funny. They, Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So they do end up in the loony bin around the second or third act. So all, all this stuff unravels with, uh, with them being employed there and the experiments happening and stuff. And the, the mad scientist has like this new plan with his little lackey guy to like frame them for kidnapping with the, the daughter and her lawyer, uh, stuffed into these kegs. So they do that, and then there's this whole court scene where we learn that the mad scientist is a mad scientist. And then uh, the two brothers get subjected; they get court ordered to go to the mat to the to the mad scientist's insane asylum, and they're hanging out there for a while. And then they they got glass IV bottles in the loony bin, and all of the by the way, all of the uh, insane asylum patients who are like. Uh, we learn that they're going to and fro from the the loony bin to the brewery, like uh, in a series of underground uh, tunnels. But they're all dressed like I think it almost. I think it's supposed to be like one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh, style, like they're in pajamas and stuff. I guess is like the sign of an insane person. It's back in the early eighties, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. So basically what happens is the guy who originally owned the brewery who died was like trapped inside of a, what do you call it? 
uh, arcade machine that was in the brewery that makes an appearance early on. But he's like, at some point becomes this like red flash of energy that like haunts the video surveillance system at the brewery or whatever. And it's like, he's basically, um, he's basically video drum because by the end, all these guys, like he knows who the good guys are. He has a consciousness and he's telling, um, the hockey player guy, to go to the storage tank where they stuffed uh, Rick Moranis's body. And so basically the whole thing uh, comes to a climax after their, you know, this court thing there, they got in trouble because they kidnapped, but they're like declared insane. They go back to the brewery through the, through the tunnel that they just learned about with the hockey player, but there's like all these fights. So Rick Moranis is stuffed inside of a beer tank um, with the daughter and she and they don't know what they're gonna do it's kind of like that scene in star wars or whatever with like the trash compactor but um i think there's a scene just like this in beer fest but rick moranis then drinks all of the beer in the entire tankard and then they open it up and wow he's a big balloon and then there's there just happens to be a fire going on which is like a big problem that uh, caused by some other, it's a big problem. So um, the, the very end of the movie is Merc- Rick Moranis peeing out the fire and the fireman going, uh, wow, you really uh, did that in two minutes. What would have taken us two hours? If you ever want a job at the fire station, come, come, come see us. And it's the entire thing is just filled with like the most more, <laughs> ridiculous humor like that dunder dunderheaded bonkers <clears throat> but yeah he uh he flashes storage tank 19 and they finally find it because it's video it's 1983 and it's video drum when did video drum come out let me check that out real quick Video drums, the only uh, carpenter, also 83. Exactly. I'm pretty sure this movie takes place in 1983. It must have come out in 83 or 84. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much Strange Brew. Uh, it was fun to watch something that I didn't have to wrap my mind around. My theory going forward, and we're going to get into uh, Beer Fest here, if Strange Brew had made, been made in 2006 with a similar set of writers uh it would be a much funnier movie overall than beer fest but beer fest being more modern and more um in line with my sensibilities as someone of the millennial generation uh it's a funnier movie and it has a a bit more cohesive of a plot but like i said there's we're going to introduce the yikes department on this one because there's some there's some funny funny weird sort of stuff uh 2006 it's strange to think that they were even more edgy than in 1983 but yeah after the break i'm trying to get to uh maybe an internet stream i've been really into 24 killers by happy shabby games it is a love letter to love to lick in much the same way that uh, Forza Popo and 
uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk are love letters to uh, Jumping Flash and Jet Set Radio. I've been talking about this all week because uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk just kind of had a surprise release. Unfortunately, I haven't played it yet, but I've been watching some playthroughs. It's an awesome game that I'm excited for. I'll probably play it soon, but uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, check it out if you didn't know about it being out yet. Uh, 24 Killers, I would recommend all day though. I think it might be my game of the year this year. We'll see if I can finish it. Uh, I thought I was stuck at one point, but no, it's a very intuitive, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I like a game that doesn't require a walkthrough. I like a game that requires a walkthrough, you know, some of those old 1997 to 2001 PS1 RPGs. Why am I talking about games this is a film section um beer fest and strange brew i wanted to see for a really long time let's talk about beer fest coming up all right and so another uh beer oriented movie that i wanted to see since I was much younger and just haven't gotten around to it, is Beer Fest. And uh, I don't know. I thought maybe there was a movie called like Oktoberfest or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't get around to seeing Beer Fest. But also I thought Beer Fest was like, I, I think I had these two movies confused with one another, another. And I was surprised to find that one of them was as recent as 2006 so basically we have um the opening scene is a drinking game between the two brothers who honestly are kind of like the least famous people almost in this movie i uh i couldn't tell you their names but i'll just i'll refer to them as the the two uh the the Schnitzen Giggle Brothers. I don't even know. They uh, they're having a drinking game with these people in some back room of some place, and it's all intense and shit. And then you find out that it's the uh, the priest for the person for the priest who's about to perform the wake for like their grandpa or whatever. Um. So they have this grandpa who like owned this restaurant. And he was like a famous, like great German beer drinker or some shit. These at the beginning of the movie, these guys are notably not really that good at drinking contests. And it's a movie all about drinking contests. This is this goes well with the uh, the theme of like gamification because this has this thing of like Squid Games, like a capsule. I don't know what it is, like a capsule drama involving field day type antics which is like incredibly my shit as the kids say in the parlance of our times i am the parlance uh i'm the parlance bot that is here to replace the wga rider strikers uh thank you wga rider uh parlance bot do you have any uh any new slang for us no cap i do not have slang oh my god what am i doing what am i doing so yeah the 
the Odyssey in this movie, Beer Fest, is much different and much more uh, straightforward. And there's like some clever misdirects that happen. They go, they're like, okay, so this wake happens, their their grandpa's dead, they have his ashes. And so their grandma goes, uh, okay, so you have to go and spread his ashes on the ancient burial grounds where all of the Germans or whatever. And it's a Oktoberfest, and they're like, "Yes, we're in." As soon as, as soon as she says Oktoberfest, they're like, "Yes," and then it shows a map, and they're like, "Going to Germany." But they get there, and they I think they see Oktoberfest for a second, but then they're like led, they're like thrown out of it pretty quickly, and then they meet the guy who's supposed to be like their uh, concierge, sort of. Um, he has a funny name, but I forget it. Uh, so he leads them to a place that's just, it's like the beer fest festival. And this, instead of being like a folksy little German celebration of all things beer, it's like a gladiatorial, a competitive gladiatorial arena celebration of all things beer. (laughs) And, uh, so there's a British team who notably are like the uh the the uh, the first like competitors that you meet cuz it's like an international competition of some sort and uh yeah so they realize then <laughs> it's very funny when they come back and their grandma's like did you do it with the ashes at the sacred burial grounds and they're like uh grandma do you know what the sacred burial grounds is <laughs> Because it's like this hilarious like cage match of like a drinking competition, annual drinking competition thing. There's a Das Boot. Uh, we got dueling grandpas, basically. Um, yeah, so the two brothers are like uh, there by themselves, but they get humiliated and the ashes get thrown on them which is like a fucked up thing so they come back to america and they realize that they have to uh assemble a team to uh to go back and compete with them again and like regain their honor or whatever because there's this accusation that uh their grandpa was a a fraud and a thief who stole the family recipe for beer and also his his wife was a prostitute. <laughs> and they don't say it in such kind words. Um, so yeah, there's uh, the actress Monique plays the maid of the family. And she's the one who does the double cross, who fucks everything up in the end. But first... Um, the, what is it? The second act, they, uh, they're training, they're assembling a team and they're training and they have a, uh, a guy named Finkelstein who they went to college with, who's like a scientist who works with frog, like jacking off frogs. It's such a broken lizard. It's a very broken lizard style film. And then their friend, uh, Barry, Sukolowski or some shit. He has like some really weird uh, last name. Um, 
but he's played by uh, Jay Chan. Let's see if I can pronounce this right. Chandra Sek Ch- Chandra S- Chandra Sakar, who was in uh, Super Troopers. He's really funny. He's he's like a he's like a down he's like a down and out street hooker himself. So there's like a uh, there's some funny banter that goes on. Uh, him and him and the grandma have a little connection at the end, but uh, he's really good at. They're all really really good at their own like little aspects of like beer competitions. And uh, Finkelstein, the scientist, is the one who figures out Das Boot, which um, if I didn't mention Das Boot, is like the glass boot that they drink out of. It's like the the pinnacle of all the competition. It's also very funny. There's unnecessary as fuck boobs. There's so many boobs that just like randomly pop out for characters that don't have any lines. It's gratuitous. It's insane. There, there's some boobs when there's a flashback of the grandma telling, <laughs> telling the story of how they met. But uh, so basically, they're assembling a team. For a minute, the Germans actually come to America to try and get the recipe back, which they didn't even realize that the recipe was like inside of this doll that they got at the wake or whatever. Um, they're training to do beer. And on the first uh, scene where they're, they're, they're doing so it's so corny. Cause he's like, um, he's explaining the stakes of the beer fest challenge to the other new members of the crew. And they have five of them. And he goes, yo, the guy who brought us there, who was like our escort, they killed him, <laughs> which they did. They they brought him away at one point and like killed him. It's like a wacky, wacky with the way they deal with like the high stakes. They killed him, but let's not worry about that now. Let's drink some beer. And then he puts on some 80s hair metal and they start their training and it keeps on counting down. 11 months to go, eight, nine months to go, five months to go three months to go and they're uh yeah they're just innovating their craft and shit uh there's this like sensitive subject with the barry character jay uh chandra sikar he can't play um ping pong there's like there's all these drinking games i, I learned about by the way also um, and another another thing these two movies have in common besides the obvious is, uh, <clears throat> and I didn't mention this actually in uh, in Strange Brew, but there are fight scenes with women. <laughs> it's like it's like Strange Brew almost seemed like it was a reference to Charlie Kaufman. I don't know if that was as early as 1973. Editor's note. I meant to say Andy Kaufman here, not Charlie Kaufman. But it's very funny that uh, the big guy whose name is Landfill and is like an eating competition uh, person fights the the Monique character who's like a maid for the family. She does the double cross when they end up going back the year after that. And she has stolen the recipe off of a computer, right? And they're going and they're trying to win the competition the second year around, right? Uh, and they figured out the boot thing. 
he finally, after all that, realized that you just have to turn the boot to the side, which was, I was thinking about the whole time, honestly. I'm kind of a genius like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, so they they almost win against the Germans, but then something fucked up happens where Monique actually uh, uh, distracts Landfill's twin brother who replaces him after Monique actually uh, uh, kills kills him by throwing him in a vat. That's the other parallel. He tries to drink all of the beer out of the vat, just like uh, Rick Moranis. It's kind of funny. But yeah, so they go and then they, but they fail right at the end, but then they go double or nothing, right? You get our recipe for the, the family beer that you're all like, throwing a throwing a fit about by the way will forte plays one of the germans on the other team who's like one of the sons of the other grandpa he's very funny it's uh i don't know if it was one of his breakout roles but uh he's really good in this movie as like a goofy kind of uh like let's say effeminate (laughs) uh german guy um you get our family recipe if you win and we get your uh, brewery, which they have a brewery, I guess, uh, if we win. Um, so, oh, yeah. And then the other thing I didn't mention is that in order to um, find the place again, the main brother gets high on Goldschlager to the point where his lips are all golden is very funny um he's not he's like one of the reasons they lose the competition he's so insanely drunk which that was the thing i was waiting for in strange brew was someone to get so insanely drunk that it's like hilarious and they're like falling everywhere there's a hilarious scene in uh in beer fest where the main brother is so drunk they call him up to the table at the beer fest of the second year round and he just like falls flat on his face almost doing like a cartwheel it's a hilarious like split second of slapstick which you love to see none of that in strange brew none of that no absolute shit-faced uh moments but yeah um they end up winning this time around because they're doing das boot and it's a double das boot challenge they're doing like five in a row and uh (laughs) i won't even mention the thing with the the jewish guy i he's got uh finkelstein gets a uh a star of david in his eyes so they put him up at the helm of the das boot challenge uh but they end up winning on a really funny technicality which is you can't have a single drop of beer like fall so they're sitting there and it's like it's about to it's about to drop the germans's uh das boot has like a single drop at the very end and he's almost like going for it with his tongue and that's how they win is like you can't you have to drink every drop of it and so it's like all crazy they win the fucking thing um it's it's pretty funny uh there's like in all the drama of the the competition at the very end uh there's a fourth wall break where the the german grandpa on the other side is like uh being goaded by a random spectator who go <laughs> he says to him you gotta do it you fucking pussy 
And he goes, okay, we'll do it. But after that, I want spectator number one killed. He refers to him as spectator number one. So they end up winning and then they get the actual free, the actual freeze frame. And not only is there an actual freeze frame at the end of this movie, there's like a pretty good uh, set of bloopers and uh, deleted scenes just in, in the credits, which is, it makes you, it makes it feel kind of like an older movie. You know what I mean? Um, I wonder when Broken Lizard started. Maybe that's something to think about for uh, next time we add a couple movies to these. We'll see if maybe we can get back into a dialogue format where I'm just like sort of shooting the shit with someone. It would certainly be a lot less work for me if I could do that. But uh, yeah, um, freaking Broken Lizard. It's, there's a lot of uh, random boobies. And as much as I love to see boobies, it's like, um, I don't, I wonder if that movie even passes the dang Bechdel test. Not that you need kind of like a shitty ass movie. You know, you know, Broken Lizard, Broken Lizard is going to be shitty. But I kind of want to see Super Troopers again after this, honestly. Um, it's kind of laugh out loud. I had a lot more laugh out loud, funny moments watching this one. So that's beer movies. Um, I've been suffering from a <clears throat> like a Charlie horse this whole time. Sorry if I'm a little unfocused, but I think I got my broadcasting voice on lock these days. Uh, um, looking for freeze frames in movies from here on out. You love to see it. And not just in the 80s either, right? That's the moral of the story. Freeze frames, not just the 80s. Thanks for listening. That's it for our hour with each other this week. Uh, Check out the Patreon if you want those comics. Uh, Hit me up if you legitimately know someone who uh, likes the show and speaks Japanese, like actually. Um, And yeah, See you next time. Bye.